It's a Friday night, Friday, June 2nd, June 2nd, 2023, and we are closing out another wonderful week, very productive week. We have just as big a week coming up next, the next set of days that are on us. Tonight we will be chilling out. I've got a couple of stories that I think are pretty interesting that we can talk about. One that comes from... Uh, YouTube and it's backed up by and supported by articles that came uh, that were that I gathered from uh, Dr. Turley and also uh, who else was this over here oh there's a local well not so local but a New York story that I think Matt is gonna like Matt is here he's just settling in for a second uh, we got that going on. Uh, stalker airplane pilots. We got to talk about that. Somebody who's dive bombing a a sleepy upstate town that is very near and dear to Matt's heart. It's, it's outskirts of the entire state of yeah, New York. The entire state is the outskirts of this town that we're going to talk about tonight. So um, get your caramel. Gather around. Get your caramel out. I know everybody over there in, in the, uh, the, the, the rural parts of the state and the rest of the country, you go out every day to go into town to pick up some caramel, because that's what Matt does when he goes to a rural a rural part of, of any place. I do. Where's the nearest caramel store? Some caramel and some good country fudge. <laughs> it's not a country store unless it has caramel and fudge. So we're going to have a little bit of that tonight. I have a few things in the opening. I want to look into this Jamie Foxx thing a little bit more. Uh, the comments made by A.J. Benzo when he was on with Dr. Drew. And, um, and then in the second half of the show, I have some fun things to do, including tonight's badass. Who's going to get a little bit of badass spite, spotlight. But Frank and Jim Zell are both going to be calling back in around 8.25, 8.30 for about 20 minutes or so with another uh, pretty big Epstein update since last night. And this one has some real meat on the bone. Uh, Jim. I wonder what it is. Jim said he, he, was, he was absolutely stunned. And it has to do with a 
an earlier call that they did with us about a year and a half ago about Larry Nasser. So we're going to be talking about this tonight. That, that'll that be in the second half. Um, in the meantime, in the in-between, whenever we have some spaces to fill, I really want people to call in with whatever the hell they want. It's going to be open lines. I have a couple of suggestions for you, though. I mean, I would love to... Um, I have a suggestion for people to call in. What's the suggestion? Did you ever lose something against someone by them cheating and them not getting caught? Did you you ever lose unfairly? That's a great question. Have you ever ever lost a competition or anything that you were uh, were really trying your hardest to win or to achieve something and to have been bested by someone who actually did not best you? They were cheating. That's interesting. (coughs) There was another question I wanted to, I put out there, I wanted to put out there soon. Um, It's almost like in the same, it's almost like the cousin of that question that you just put out, Matt. And that is, were you ever accused of something you wish you actually did, but did not do? I I mean, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. (laughs) I don't know, because most of the things I get accused of doing, I usually did. Yeah, yeah, so... On the low, on the, on the down low, you you usually did it. What's that? What do you mean? Most of the things you're accused of, you usually. Oh well, do. not that stupid note nonsense. The note, everything else. What everything else? Yep. Okay. I'm talking about like you know like bad things. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't do. That. You know, just you know, basic harassment of friends and terrorism. <laughs> I don't do that. Anyway, that's that's a question I wanted to find a way an example. Like you know, I think I, I actually I know what I, it was all about. I saw this. I saw this. Uh, I don't know why the hell it was. Why this this question came up for me when I saw this particular article, but there was this nun that was down in in um, Texas or somewhere that was accused of violating her vow of chastity with a priest. And she has been appealing to the Vatican for, for you know, uh, to be reinstated and to have her name cleared and all that, saying that she was drugged or something like that, and she, she didn't actually do it and whatever. I mean, the whole process was tainted in some way. And um, I read about that maybe about a week or so ago, and I started saying, that not that, whatever the hell it was, uh, being accused of something that you didn't do. But then I said to myself, what about getting accused of something that you wish you did? So I'm going to have to find a, an example of this just to be able to just to be able to make it a little bit more real for people. Unless somebody has an example right off the bat and they want to call in with that. Real uh, quick. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no. It's because you brought up nuns. Yeah. There's a nun in Missouri or somewhere, uh, somewhere out there. She passed away a few years ago. She charged. She started this church. And, the uh, black nun. Uh, was she black? Yeah. And her body's been uh, per- in there. Yeah, you seen that? It's an example of an uncorruptible, yeah, uncorruptible, uncorruptible body. They took her. They. I don't know why. Why did they? What was the the um, the inspiration to check on check on the the uh, the status of her physical remains? That's that's my the question. I didn't dig I read, deep enough. I read it. I don't remember exactly why. I saw it though. I saw the whole thing. If your cousin ever comes on, that's what we have to do. Talk about the incorruptibles. Well, things like that. Carlo Acutis. One day, one day, we have to have Father Joseph on. 
Matt's cousin, and uh, see what he thinks about the Franciscans that have been that you started over here. <laughs> see he what he probably says. would join. He probably, he probably would. <laughs> he would have no choice. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Let's just jump right into. Oh, first, I want to thank my sponsors tonight and always. It is BlueMonsterPrep.com. Get on the Blue Monster Prep. Get on. Log on. Log in. Get on to BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use the promo code Frankly whenever you're making your purchases over there. And if you don't know where to start, get in touch with Pat and Gina. I know many of you still are, which is a great thing because there are things on that website everybody needs a little bit more of, even if you are really adept at growing your own food, at jarring, at making sure that you can stay as independent as possible. There are great power sources that are all from the sun. Um, there's great rechargeable power sources, all solar stuff that you can use not only for small devices, but also for bigger, bigger, um, uh, bigger appliances and things like that for your house. If there's ever a lights out scenario, a lot of different types of Faraday cage stuff, protection, your food, your water, the first aid, that's all basic. Although the basics are where we all live and die. So go and check it out, bluemonsterprep.com. And if you're looking for a way to diversify all of your financials a little bit, you should also check out all of the great monthly options and also one-off buy options that they have at, uh, quite frankly, .gold. That's Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. So there are monthly options you can do. I know that they have really um, a nice stockpile of gold backs from several states that issue them now or that have been manufactured in several states. So um, so take a look at that and all of our other friends on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv over the weekend. Do all um, as much chopping as you can from small to mid-sized American businesses who are friends of this show and uh, audience members. Go ahead and do it. Let's see. Next week, we've got Audit NY that's going to be in the studio on June 7th. That is on Wednesday night. Earlier on that day, I'll be a guest on Anomaly's channel. On June 8th, Leo Zagami. And then uh, the week after that, we have Timothy Alberino, John Doyle, and George Norrie has been booked for June 29th. We're already booking into July, and I have a couple of prospects even into the the fall right now but let me just tell you one thing real quick last night we had the session the first session of book club for shoeless joe by wp kinsella it is the the source material that would become the movie adaptation field of field of dreams the book for book club that we have picked is going to be in my top three for a very long time uh, it was a wonderful session charlie robinson i knew that he was the perfect guy to do this book with I really hope that many of you join in at some point. If you don't get in on it right now, don't be turned off by the fact that this short read is baseball themed. It's not a a book of, you know, it's not like a, a baseball history book. It, it Baseball is a backdrop for what is a beautifully, delectably, it's, it's really the language is delectable. A beautifully written magic carpet ride of a story. Uh, it's about chasing dreams. It's about following inspiration, even though you can't see the clear path forward. It's about fathers, about sons, about daughters and soulmates. I, I, I really, I hope that you give it a chance because I know a lot of people probably heard that title and said, eh, I'll skip this one. Don't. Okay. Um, I, I do the book club because there are, we are no longer a nation of readers 
and it was supposed to be a personal challenge for myself as well. So challenge yourself. Trust me on this one. It's going to be a very quick read, and and then we're on to something a little bit more, a little bit more dark and devious, but also history packed for August. I'll, I'll announce I'll announce that one as soon as I'm done with this one with Charlie. So it was a great time, and I hope you're all part of it. All right, let's jump into this whole thing that we have over here. This is a bombshell. It was hosted by Radar Online, but many other sites as well. That's not what I want to do. Here we go. All right. And Matt is with me here, too. There we go. Jamie Foxx, left paralyzed and blind from blood clot in the brain, suffered after a shot, a vaccine. CV vaccine. Veteran journalist A.J. Benza claims, you want to hear this, take a listen to this. It's a three-minute long clip. I'm sure many of you have heard it at this point, but there's more here. Uh, this is his time on with Dr. Drew. And I lost a few friends um, the last couple of years who got the injection. Um, one of my best friends died last Saturday. Paratrooper, ex-Special Forces, 51 years old, in, in best shape of his life. I mean, live life, you have no idea. Just goes to sleep, doesn't wake up. Black guy. Oh my. I think, I think this ties into the Jamie Foxx theory. I, I worked my butt off to get a story about why what happened to Jamie Foxx. Because it was all baloney what they were reporting. He's playing pickleball. He's uh, responding on Instagram. No, he's not. People do that for you. It's all lies. I had somebody in the room who let me know that Jamie had a blood clot in his brain after he got the shot. He did not want the shot, but the movie he was on, he was pressured to get it. Now, I don't I, that I don't I don't know what I believe about that. Yeah, didn't that stop a while ago? I, I just don't know what I believe about that. He, he it's, Jamie Foxx is going to get pressured into doing something like that. Um I don't know. I I just that that makes me feel a little I don't know about that. But then you, who knows? Maybe they are still being idiots about it. But um you know, he's A plus he's A plus list. So if he ever had any reservations about it, I can't believe that they actually twisted his arm into getting it. This movie he's doing with Cameron Diaz. And I'm thinking, is that why he blew up on the set a week before this medical emergency happened? Is that why he fired three or four people because he just had had it with these mandates? I don't know. But what I found out from the man in the room was that uh, the blood clot in the brain caused him at that point to be partially paralyzed and blind. Blind. Because if you read into what they were saying early on, he's communicating with us. That doesn't mean talking. That could be anything. It could be, you know, writing, yeah. sign. You know, I know those little code words. And then when you tell me your father's playing pickleball, give me a break. You know, I don't know. There's a great shroud of secrecy around Jamie Foxx. He's probably the most multi-talented person we have in Hollywood. Um, but even TMZ is not reporting this. And I know TMZ has got sources in hospitals who give them information, whether it's legal or not. But they're not. They're not. Mike Tyson got close. A week after I broke my story on my show, Mike Tyson said that Jamie had a blood clot in his brain. No one's gone that far to say that yet. Uh, I think Mike did, and he probably got a phone well, call. Hold and on. Said, hey, AJ, let me, let me, let me yeah. sort of step back a little bit from what you're saying and just say, look, uh, b blood in the brain is a cerebral bleed. It's not a stroke. 
A stroke is a blood clot in an artery to the brain that cuts off the blood supply to the brain and the brain dies. So we're talking about, and it's been widely known that he had a stroke, right? I mean, they've said stroke a hundred, many times. Yeah, so it, it's to say it's a blood clot in the brain is sort of, it's a stroke. It's a blood clot in an artery that cuts off the supply. That part of the brain is dead. And it right. has very serious consequences. Uh, it depends on where, which artery and what the anatomy of that artery is, to what parts of the brain, whatnot. But it is not something that, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Is he still in the hospital? Is that, is that what I'm supposed to believe? Yeah. And playing pickleball? Yeah. <laughs> is that? <laughs> I, I don't, it's all baloney. It's all baloney. I, the, the, the daughters are doing the speaking for him. His oldest daughter, Corinne, is doing the speaking. She said he's been out of the hospital for weeks. But that's not true. He's at a very good hospital in Chicago which specializes in this kind of rehab. Um, and every friend who comes out, whether it's Kevin Hart or Nick Cannon or whoever, all says, pray for Jamie. So, hmm. You know what I mean? Now, um, let's see. I, I, I saw something come in, and I'm trying to look at what it is because it just it, I saw a notification from a, a dead account but let me see let me see it pop up let me see what the hell's going on over here one second just because the person that's coming from might know something um so carlos uh my my friend carlos car friend of the show just sent something to the tippist stream the old tippist carlos we don't use that anymore you're lucky i even saw this it's quite frankly superchat.com but i just saw it in real time i don't even know how i did it says, yes, it's true, Hollywood is still forcing folks to get jabbed in order to do a movie. Uh, A-list or not, it's brutal out there in Hollywood still. Carlos is a, a friend of the show who is, who is, um, he works in Hollywood on the legal side of things. Um, and he's, he's been a, a pretty a good source and, and a friend of the show for things like this. Legal in Hollywood? I, Guy's I, probably fucking rolling in the dark. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But I, I just think, I just I think about it, and um, that's just nuts. That's some that's nuts shit right there. So that's that's one thing coming out. We'll see where it, how far it goes and what it gets confirmed down the line. But listen to this. Here's a chilling mystery. My friend Crystal sent this to me from Ohio. Uh, she's in Ohio, and obviously this is something that is a little bit more that's close to her because she's in the Cleveland area. Take a listen to this. Chilling mystery as 30 children go missing from the city in two weeks, and cops say they'd never seen anything like it. In the span of two weeks, nearly 30 children have vanished in Cleveland, sparking concerns from a local police chief who said he hasn't seen anything like this in 33-year career. As many as 27 children have been reported missing in the greater Cleveland area, according to Newburgh Heights Police Chief John Mahoy. Mahoy uh, also serves as board president of Cleveland Missing, an Ohio nonprofit that offers direct support for friends and families that are searching for missing loved ones. He called the number of missing children whose ages range from 12 to 17 unprecedented when speaking to reporters. There's always peaks and valleys with missing persons, but this year it seems like an extraordinary year, he told Fox News Digital. For some reason in 2023, we have seen a lot more than we normally see, which is troubling in part because we don't know what's going on with some of these kids, whether they're being trafficked or whether they're getting involved in gang activity or drugs. Cleveland police recorded that kids were reported missing between May 2nd and May 16th. 
Jeez, two weeks. Yeah, they got to uh, they got to start getting as many as they can because there's a chance that someone might come in two years and. Oh yeah, not hurry like up! The traffic kids. Hurry up! In two years, there there might be a new president. Uh, Mahoy believes that the majority of the cases are likely runaways rather than abductions, but he warned that teenagers are naive and more likely to be taken advantage of by predators, who he refers to as wolves in sheep's clothing. The disappearances don't make the news unless there is an Amber Alert, said Mahoy, adding that their stories aren't being showcased on social media. For an Amber Alert to be issued, there are strict criteria, but damn. I I thought these kids were old enough to decide if they wanted sex changes and stuff. Well, I don't know what he's saying they're naive for. 12 to 17 and nearly 30 of them in two weeks. That's It is crazy an inside job um speaking of that i i i think we might be able to get early an an, an early viewing of that jim caviezel movie the sound of freedom about the about sex trafficking and and all that stuff i think we might be able to get we're trying to really would love to get an interview with him and one day i know with patience um it'll it'll happen but um and mel gibson yeah oh man oh i would love to talk to mel I love to have Mel in here so we can <clears throat> we can sit around, ask him basic questions, and watch him grab his beard for forty five minutes. Yeah. Holy just I do that too. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it it must be soothing. It is. In the wintertime when I grow my facial hair out just a little bit, I it never gets too long, but it uh, there is enough where I'm just grabbing at the chin. Yeah, the other day I tied it up in a little rubber band like Captain Lou Albana. Oh yeah? Yeah. That must have been great. Well, it's uh, 7.16. Let's get this one started because we have more to do, plenty more to do on this Friday night. I hope you can help me get the show out there to more people by tweeting it about, tweeting about it, by truthing, by gabbing, whatever the hell it is. I have put out all the live links around 6.30. And uh, if you can, sponsor the show by your social media presence, throwing your, throwing your social media into the hat. That would be great. And if you're watching on YouTube or on Rumble, please hit the thumbs up. Please. It takes a nanosecond, and it is so important, and it actually helps. It does. It helps in one place more than the other, but let's just do everything we can and take. Uh, always take the next step. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
So, oh, let's just jump right into it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you so much. This is the real show. That was the pre-show. That was the pre-come. I didn't say it. Okay, everyone, give this episode a thumbs up, especially on Rumble and YouTube. It makes the live stream much more suggested. And uh, and keep dumping those super chats on us. Quite frankly, superchat.com. I would love to read a lot of them on air, especially if you have any questions for the Zells. I can save a couple of questions for them when they're on, even though we have to make a really good time of the 20 minutes that we'll have in the second half. Um, and here we go. Uh, June Badasses, we have a couple of slots left, but a couple of really good ones came in, including tonight's. I uh, can't wait to do tonight's Badass. And the lines are open, and they are naked. We are sunbathing in calls tonight. So what is inspiring you? What has, What's making you go mad? Um, our circus friend out there, when we did the, the, the show where we ended up talking about the circus, I never got an email from our friend that called in, was talking about how she was raised in the circus and all that stuff. If you can please, please email the show. I, I don't want that to be the end of the conversation. I actually want to do a little bit more on the circus one night. Um, very interesting stuff, especially how it has evolved, and it has been an important part of, you know, it's, it's been on in the background of the country. As we've evolved. And other countries as well. Circuses are something else. Um, listen to this, Matt. This is from Schuylerville. This is from Schuylerville. This is very important stuff. Uh, especially for Matt and his family. Uh, and, and the entire nation. Right, Matt? Yeah, Schuylerville's... It's, it's where it's happening. It, it is happening. The, the Right over here is what's happening right now. Schuylerville pilot has been arrested and accused of violating an order of protection. Uh, Michael <laughs> Mike, Michael Arnold, do you know who he is? He's he, Benedict uh, Arnold's he son? Is, yes, that's uh, up there. Um, that The rumor is that that guy is a, a relative of Benedict Arnold. I'm serious. Well, I, 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 I ask it. Not in jest, because we know you know Benedict Arnold in Saratoga, where they have his boot, yeah. they have his boot up there and all that stuff. It's uh, yeah. there's real historic links up there. Awesome. So I'm like, is this the? He was there, and then he passed up through there to go up to uh, his failed invasion of Quebec, where he, you know, lost all of his money. That was why he had no money, because he paid for that invasion himself. Michael Arnold, great, 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 great grandchild of Benedict Arnold, we're just going to say it, was arrested this morning at Saratoga County Airport for violating an order of protection put in place by a judge at the Saratoga Town Court on Tuesday. Arnold is accused of stalking Schuylerville resident Cassandra Willits, who she related to. Uh, I'm not sure, but her family's been up there for a few generations. How <laughs> do you know? You looked into it? That's all the names, bro. It's all the same people that have been up there. Or Willits. Willits. W-I-L-U-S-Z. By air. He was harassing and stalking her by air and on the ground. <laughs> air and on the ground. Well, the one on the ground, he got he got caught. 
The latest order of protection granted earlier this week included do not fly order. At CBS, imagine wanting to stalk somebody so much. You're like, you know what? Fuck her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly over her house. I, I want to find out how many restraining orders have ever been, like, have, have that written in it as a clause. No flying. As CBS 6 previously reported, Willits and many others in the village of Schuylerville say Arnold has repeatedly flown his plane dangerously low to the village. And they actually accuse him of dive bombing them. Like, can you imagine knowing, hearing... There's something in the air buzzing around, and you know it's your stalker in his plane. Uh, That's weird. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. But, yeah, I've been up there when he's been, uh, yeah. I remember, like, I was years and years, but the first time I went up there. You've been up there when he was flying? Yeah. yeah. And, and what were, well, like, one So, of like, your... it was, like, ten years. The first time I went back upstate was, like, f- I think for Koss's, uh the thing, uh, the bachelor, bachelor party. party, and I went up to my aunt's house before that, and I'm up there on the deck, and it's, a couple minutes later, <laughs> come right back, and, okay, a couple minutes later, he come, he would just come and, like, just back and like, forth, like, literally, like, 25, 30 feet, 35 feet above the tree line, like, he was low, I don't know if he was that low, but he was low, Jeez. he was really low. 30 feet above the tree line. Uh, Anything like that is crazy. But that must have just been 10 years ago, unless he was still stalking her back then. He he might have been with her. I think he's been flying. I think he's been doing that for years, but I don't think he's been doing it in a stalking way. Because I remember when I was a little kid, there was always a plane that, you know, every so often would fly a little low over the town. Like he would, I think he would circle the whole town. Actually, that was happy. Um, that was when he was happy, Mister Arnold. Yeah, I think he would actually. Yeah, that was he would go around and he would take pictures and shit. Like, um, and he would circle the town. See, that's that's when Mister Arnold was happy. Though that was recreational flying. Now, now he's angry and he, he's his his wrath is is being sent down <laughs> below. got to play the video. Okay, I'm going to. The, la- the latest order came on the heels of Arnold being arrested and accused of stalking for an incident that happened on May 25th. CBS 6 cameras were rolling as Arnold drove by Willis's business in Schuylerville. At one point, he stopped his car at the edge of her property and watched as our crew conducted an interview. Is this it? The, the yeah. video? Okay, let's just see. This guy seems like he has absolutely no chill. He's a madman. And tonight, the Schuylerville man accused of harassing and stalking a local woman by flying his plane low over the village arrested this morning for violating an order of protection. That order was instated on Tuesday. That's him? Michael Arnold is accused of stalking Cassandra Willits by air and on ground. The latest order of protection is no fly order. So if you missed our reports last night... It's so funny! It's not funny. No, if it's not happening to you, it's not funny. Yeah, they were friends, and I think he liked it her. It is happening to you tonight. He, he, he was but. sending her uh, unsolicited pictures, apparently, and she oh, told him oh, to stop. Jeez. Okay. So this guy's a real asshole. Real sicko. But just, just to see that plane flying back and <laughs> forth. Oh, my gosh. Willits and other village residents say Arnold has been flying his plane at dangerously low altitudes. He was arrested and accused of stalking for an incident on May 25th that was captured by our cameras. There the he Saratoga is. The County Sheriff's Office learned that Arnold <laughs> took right his small plane up early this morning 
and he was arrested when he landed. Arnold is facing three charges, resisting arrest, criminal contempt, and obstructing governmental administration. He's due in court later this month and is out on $1,500 cash bail. And you can watch our full exclusive report on this really wild story online at CBS6Albany.com. You know what they should do? They, I, I, out of all of the, 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 the trials, that we have been able to sit in on and watch Rittenhouse and I don't know, there's, there's so many of these trial lawyers that now that have gigantic streams that just sit around and they, they watch court TV right. with people and they report on things and they, they report on what's going on inside the court like, you know, you know Troy Aikman is, is doing a game or something for the NFL. And um, I would love to watch this one. I would watch this one. It would probably be pretty funny because that guy is definitely a loose cannon. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. What is he going to do in the courtroom? I I wonder what he's going to say. And I wonder, because you know that he's flown directly over the house. Do you think that he stuck his hand out the window and dropped anything Uh, on the house? Well, I think he has thrown, I don't know at her, but I know he's dropped like tomatoes (laughs) in her property or around her business. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but (laughs) dropping tomatoes and he just seems like, you know, I don't know, having the guy like, I hope that he, he Uh, gets kind of makes me want to learn how to fly, bro. Cause think about it. You can just be like, ah, I'm gonna go for, you know, for a little flight, go up there, smoke a joint, bro. Fly around. I mean, you have to have a relationship with the airport. You have to be able to fuel, fuel it, maintain it. Especially up there, bro. That'd be awesome. Fly, crash, land in the Adirondack Mountains. Did you see? Did you see the YouTuber that that intentionally crashed? He he just got arrested, but to, you know, as a sponsored video, he actually intentionally crashed his plane. He he abandoned the plane. He uh, I guess he faked the engine stalling or something like that. He's over a wooded, like a forest. He faked the engine stalling and pretty much faked himself a reason to have to jettison the plane. So he got out of the plane and he jumped with his parachute and the plane just crashed into the side of a mountain or something like that. And, uh, And he went on from there and I guess the investigation showed that there was nothing wrong with the plane and that this was all just for clout. And, um... And he was arrested. I, I watched it. Up until last week, the entire video was still on YouTube. Good. I hope he has to pay for the fucking cleanup. I mean, that's just... That's just incredible. They investigated the sponsor, too. They wanted to make sure that they weren't in on it. Uh, but here's a little something I want to throw out there that I, I think is pretty interesting. The first one is from... Turley. Dr. St- what is it? Steve Turley? Yeah. I like this guy a lot, and um, and I want to have him on the show. We we actually we got close a couple of times, and then things just uh, things went sideways. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try again because I really in, I enjoy his commentary. But here it is. This is from his his uh, website, Turley Talks. Dominion voting system is imploding. This is from two days ago. Yahoo News is reporting that Dominion CEO John Polis is openly saying that the company is going to be going out of business. Things are looking grim for the company. Time as well is reporting on this. The CEO is openly saying that Dominion Voting Systems as a business is ultimately going to go down to zero. This news comes as a bit of a shock given that Dominion recently got over a got over $780 million in a defamation settlement with Fox News. 
According to the CEO, that settlement isn't going to cover, uh, isn't going to overcome the lasting reputational damage to the company coming out of 2020 presidential election. The Dominion CEO said that the damage inflicted on their reputation has put their business completely on a downward spiral. He believes it's only a matter of time before they lose all of their clients and go out of business. Um, Well, I mean, as long as something else doesn't pop up in its place. This was a bipartisan thing before 2020. that You were not going to get sued for expressing your concerns or talking about any kind of diagnostics investigation, brief diagnostics, shallow diagnostics investigations that, that turn up evidence. Clear as day that all of these systems are accessible through wireless networks and everything else, and they are not safe enough to be what we re- we what any uh, respect self-respecting nation town Elks Lodge would ever use to have a good election. Maybe Dominion didn't win. Maybe what they showed on the news was a TV set. Maybe you just you may, yeah, who knows. Now I, I didn't know. I was wondering about this. I'm glad that uh, Turley went into this a little bit more because I was wondering, you know, what. What have they been losing? I wanted to know documented where they've been losing clients because I know in places like Arizona, I think they put in an order for all new machines from Dominion that a lot of people to try to you know pr- you know to go out there and show public support for Dominion, which in a sense is also a denial of the deniers. They are they all double down and they 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 wanted to stick with them, but apparently they are losing accounts here. They said Dominion is currently pursuing six other lawsuits. In the end, even if they win all those suits, if no clients want to use the company, they will be done. That is what the CEO says he is seeing on the horizon here. Several counties across the country have stopped using Dominion. Several counties. The latest was Shasta County in Northern California. They have returned to hand-counting ballots. Good. Uh, Many counties are nervous about electronic voting machines in general, so it's not necessarily only Dominion that people are not interested in at this time. This concern affects Dominion. Antrim County in Michigan has ditched Dominion because that's the the Antrim County is the only place in this country where uh, a, a court dug into the analysis that was done on a lot of those machines, even the paper processing machines, and and showed just how crazy the error rates were. And um, and if you extrapolated that out even a little bit, and, and remember the digital stuff, it, it's a multi-layered shit cake. American elections, multi-layered shit cake. If you hyper fixate on things like Dominion and and how you know uh, untrustworthy the machines are, how vulnerable the systems are, if you hyper fixate on that, you're easily attacked. There's so many more things going on. There's incredible ground game that's going on. It, har- ballot harvesting in itself is so unethical if you ask me. I know that people have made it legal and it's become more normalized in places. That in itself, and that's just openly done. That's not even a secret. It, you know, everybody's getting illegal. in on it. Yeah. So uh, there's so many other things that, are, that go into this, but still, this is a wonderful way to uh, take a nice bite out of a problem that you don't really need. You don't really need this problem. Don't need to do it. Um... 
Antrim County, when a county says that they're no longer going to be using these systems, that means that there will be a lot of machines that are rejected. When Stark County in Ohio decided they weren't going to use Dominion, that resulted in a loss of more than 1,400 machines for the company. With the number of counties turning their back on Dominion adding up, the amount of lost sales skyrockets. That's why the CEO is saying that there's no future for the company. Instead of engaging directly with all of the fallout from 2020 election, Dominion and the powers that be, including every major social media platform, decided to silence rather than to discuss. They decided to suppress rather than air these issues out in the open, given how the left was completely free to say anything they wanted, no matter how absurd, about the 2016 election and the Russia nonsense that ended up costing taxpayers tens of millions of wasted dollars on a completely unnecessary federal election. Given that absurdity, the double standard that was imposed on the Trump-Biden election was astonishing. It went far beyond a mere double standard. There was blatant collusion. We all saw this in the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop top story, first broken by the news uh, in New York Post. And then, um, but yeah, when it comes to this in particular, silencing is just so obvious. If, if what people are saying about you is untrue, even if what they're saying about you, you think that could could be defamatory or they're just making statements in opinion that is just they are very critical of you. If the first thing you're doing is trying to A, maintain your accounts, clear your name, and recapture hearts, the last thing you're going to do is sue people, especially when there are there were so many people in this country that were trying to bring this stuff to court. They were trying to find a courtroom, they're trying to find some place where this stuff would be taken seriously. And uh, and you would think that if Dominion had nothing going on and everything was on the up and up and it was all a big misunderstanding, um, and maybe there was just, who knows, there was some innocent reason why so much was going wrong and there was so many people that were distrusting of this, of this company, you would think that they would want to, yeah, wa- flush everything out into the open, talk about it, Maybe admit where there are some vulnerabilities, but yeah. but but to silence people to the tune of billions, yeah. yeah. People don't like to be silenced, and like you said, yeah, it's what Mike Lindell said. Hey, you want to come look inside my pillow? I'll show you inside my pillow. Let's look inside the machines. You're right. They just kept hiding it. They just don't understand. I'm going to put the call uh, the lines on now. The call line is open. Call now nine one four two hundred o two six nine. And this is going to go hand-in-hand with this. This is from Axios. You've probably seen it pop up all over the place now. But here is this. Uh, Now YouTube has reversed misinformation policy to allow U.S. election denialism. This is from Axios. In a reversal of its election integrity policy, YouTube will leave up content that says fraud, errors, or glitches occurred in the 2020 presidential election and other U.S. elections, the company confirmed to Axios on Friday. Okay, so you can say that, but you can't say rigged? No, 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 no. All that is done. All that's done. You can call. You can say that 2020 was rigged, and and uh, they're not going to take things down. Maybe you'll get one of those. Wicked- so we can finally say that Trump won? Well, I've been saying it. Trump won the election. Do we have to say the election? Because we... Trump won. Whatever the hell it is. Big time. Whatever the hell it is. He won by millions. Whatever the hell it is, they'll leave it up now. 
it was making a lot of people wonder why. The first thing that comes to my mind, of course, is that there must be an election that's coming up soon that they are going to want to uh, engage in some denialism over. Um, that's the first thing I think about. Trump where, won by at least ten million. And then if you also have this, where in places like Antrim, Michigan, and Ohio, even though that is a, a garnet red state at this point, but uh, Shasta County, California, I know that that's not going to be able to really go toe to toe with a lot of people uh, with, with the, the the main population centers in the the southern part of the state, but if Dominion and electronic voting systems really are suffering this big of a hit and it's only going to continue to hemorrhage and if there are more and more people at the same time that are 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 signing up to go and ballot harvest trick-or-treat for republicans that are out there trying to clean up voter rolls in particular cities and states uh, that there's more volunteers out there ever before for elections that they want to be there when there's counting and, and and verifying and anything else that's going on there uh, they, who knows what this means? That this mean to me the most obvious thing is that it seems like there's going to be a lot of denialism after 2024. And I, I don't know if, if listen they they have a whole other game plan for Donald Trump. They have a whole other game plan for Donald Trump. Maybe they lose. Maybe this is for losing even more of the House. Uh, who knows what's up for grabs in the Senate? Uh, Donald Trump. If if there's no if he makes it to election day and he's allowed to run and compete and there is less of all of this going on like for example you have Axios over here here you go this is here Axios continues why it matters YouTube established a policy in December of 2020 after enough states had certified the 2020 election results now the company said in a statement leaving the policy in place may have the effect of curtailing political speech without meaningfully reducing the risk of violence or other real world harm. How? What are you talking about? Curtailing political speech without meaningfully reducing the risk of violence or other real-world harm. Leaving the policy in place would have the effect of... Uh, I, that, 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 that makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, because the, the suppression, the suppressing of truth... And anything that could be considered an honest conversation, even if the things that people go into a conversation uh, suspecting the conclusion to be, maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're wrong. But the thing is that when people uh, are, are legitimately upset about something and they see something that needs to be addressed and investigated and debated and all that other stuff, and they're just being censored and they're being brought up on defamation and libel and slander... Uh, suits and you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and they're going after media companies and all that stuff and um, and, and this stuff is happening and also on YouTube they're they're just telling everyday citizens you can't talk about this when uh, when having theory alternative theories about how elections went down is part of American culture at this point so it's all very um, it's all very pointed it's all very obvious but I just think it's interesting how Dominion is uh, is is screaming that they are a sinking ship, <laughs> and we know that there is a lot of people who are trying to get active on on local levels in really meaningful ways when it comes to election integrity going forward, and 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 then this, YouTube suddenly wants to make sure that everybody can uh, say what they want about one election or another. 
So, um, and also with Axios, they keep going the big picture here. Media companies and tech companies are wrestling without, with, uh, with how to balance the curbing of misinformation with freedom of speech ahead of the 2024 election. There is no curbing. That's what it is. There's no curbing. You, n- nobody curbs MSNBC and CNN and Fox News and ABC and CBS. Nobody curbs them, their misinformation, their bullshit through pandemics and through election cycles and what they cut up and the little snippets they give you instead of the full context. Nobody curbs them. Aren't they? Is that, is that their freedom of speech? What is that? Or it's compelled speech. They're paid to say those things. So, no, there is no curbing that. Everybody on YouTube can be giving political commentary all throughout 23 and 24, and they could be wrong about literally everything, and it is their right, and it is your responsibility as an information consumer um, to go out there and, uh, and, and hold it up against other, other sources, other things, and see what, uh, what shakes out and what seems to be bias and what seems to be just pure fiction sensationalism i'm sorry we have to do a little bit of heavy lifting here and axios can go screw themselves because remember they they were one of those outlets out there fresh out uh, outlet that is uh axios very very you know a newcomer on the scene when it comes to like uh their stories getting a lot of circulation they were really really getting a lot of attention during that 2020 lead up and this is the same place who helped push that red mirage theory about how Trump will be appearing to be wiping the table with everything. And then as time goes on, it will all go away and he'll lose. And they also put forward the act as if uh, strategy where they said, well, what will, well, what will probably have, they, they laid out the whole thing. I forget, I forget what night it was. It could have been the day of the election or a day before where they, again, they laid out that red mirage theory and how what was going to happen there is the Associated Press or somebody who's going to call the election and what Joe Biden should and would do is immediately just start acting as if. And they did. They did all that stuff. They set up that, that stupid uh, office of the president-elect. They started putting together their cabinet. They, they really, they, the, the shadow government just set up in a new office. They set up in a satellite office for a little bit with Joe Biden, ignored that Donald Trump even existed for those last, uh, you know, eight weeks or four weeks, what, six weeks before the uh, inauguration day. And that's just what they did. So Axios has been a part of this misinformation and all of this, this grooming, this grooming of American citizens in the lead up to an election. What was election month? Election fortnight. So that's that. All right, so 914-200-0269, call in, tell us what the hell's going on with you, give me something that inspires you, pisses you off, what's the strangest, dirtiest job you ever had? I only, I never got one person to say that. Strangest, dirtiest job you ever had, I don't know. Uh, Lindsay, you're on the air. Hey Frankie, it's Jack from Jersey, now in Florida. Oh, what's going on? What's going on, Jack? I'm sorry I called you, Lindsay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, been waiting for this one. I sent you an email about a year ago. My seven times great grandfather Thomas Dickerson owned the Marstown Pub where Benedict Arnold was tried. Well, that's incredible. Is the pub still there? 
No, it's not there. They have a monument there, like a placard and all that stuff. Hmm. That's really but interesting. But it was Washington's headquarters for like five years, I believe. Do you have any relics, uh, any, anything that has been passed down and kept within the family of that time? Anything, even if it's a spoon. Um, I have to check with my mom, but um, they did a lot of research, and I actually joined the Sons of the Revolution nice. when I found all this out, you know what I mean? But yeah. it was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, for seven, uh, five years, I think it was his headquarters, but he was definitely tried in his pub. I didn't know that was in Morristown. That's cool. You should go to the 76 house because the owner is actually son of the revolution. He's a descendant of Isaac Davis. No shit. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so ne next time you're up here again. Right in Japan. Not too far yeah. from him. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That but yeah, it's pretty interesting that f as far back as I like really dug. I mean, from you know Salem, Massachusetts to Long Island to Jersey from 1634, I think, our family was here. Wow. Well, so yeah, him and his son both fought in the revolution, the three of them, actually, three brothers. That's cool. You see, this is why I want to do, and it's the summertime, so we usually we usually do this around the that uh, late spring, summertime area, but six degrees of separation. I want to do it again. I want to flush through the audience again to see um, how many cool people are uh, they're related to or they have a, a close... A close link to this would have been a wonderful submission for that night, but uh, I'm glad to oh, have yeah. had it now. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'll try to re-email everything to you. I tried to give you my family tree and all that, but it didn't go through real well. So, well, thank you I'll, so I'll much. I'll give it another shot. You got it. Thanks for the call, Jack. That's cool. He all right, brother. Have a good one, man. You too. There you go. He probably met George Washington if he was the owner of the pub. Absolutely, without a doubt, that happened. You know the bear. <laughs> Bring me a little beer. Why is he? Why is he talking like that? <laughs> was that George Washington that sounded like a gavone? <laughs> Bring me another beer. What's that? Beer. Beer. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, hey, five oh eight. You're on the air. Five oh eight. Peritium. Hey, Frankie. How you doing, bro? Doing great. Who's this? This is Rick from Cape Cod. I talked to you a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. You got the new phone, so. Yes, yes, I yes, yes. I recognize the You voice. know, I think, yeah, thanks. How you doing, Matt? Nice hey, what's up? You guys crack me up every Friday, man. I'm happy. I mean, roaring laughter. I love it. I'm happy. You know what? what the whole uh, stifling of the of the, of the the speech, I believe, is, is to chisel away at the First Amendment, because who becomes then the arbiter of truth? It's the individual, right? Mm -hmm. That's who is... Nobody can tell you what to think and what to believe. It's all just a, a ploy to chisel away at the freedom of speech, and that's that's what I believe. You know what it is? It's one of those uh, another again another thing where it's like crisis and Leviathan kind of examples where we go through these phases of you know bulking up with regulation and controls our behavior is modified we start self-censoring and then they release a lot of the regulations but it, it doesn't really it doesn't really uh rehabilitate the the kind of self-censored behavior underneath so we're being right. it's almost like we're being trained with electroshock therapy over here like dogs with that invisible fence thing over there um, you know, yeah. every once in a while, you can turn the fence off. The dog's not going to leave the the lawn anymore, and, uh, and 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 maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Well, I, I that's think spot on. Yeah. No, I appreciate the right. the insight, Rick. Thanks, Frank. 
the uh, First Amendment so important. They put the Second Amendment to back that one up. You guys have a good night. You too, sir. Have a good one out there. I like callers like Rick. Of course, I don't know who anybody is anymore. And Zoom just cannot help. I don't know. Maybe I'll give uh, maybe I'll give the thirteen hundred or so contacts that I collected over the years to an intern and have them put in the put them the contacts in like one at a time, maybe ten people a day for a dozen or so days. No, that, no, that's not a dozen or so. A couple of weeks. Anyway, let's take a call from William. What's going on, William? Yo, what's up, Frank? How you doing? This is uh, this is uh, this is actually Kevin. I'm, I'm calling on Problematic Will's phone. Oh, what's going uh, on, Problematic Will? It's good to have you back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. No, 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 no. It's all good. This is, but this is this is Kevin. This is my name is Kevin. I'm a good friend of uh, Problematic Will. He's a brother of mine. Uh, he's in my small group, and he he told me. You know, after the small group a few weeks ago, he shared some some disturbing information with me. This is my first time calling or hearing the show, but he, uh, after the small group last week, he told me uh, that he had some troubling news for me. He gave me a description, and I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm sad to say that my wife uh, had an affair with me with uh, one of your friends, Frank, and his name was King. Oh, no. Do you no. know anything about this? Oh, no. Uh, I, you know, I knew, I knew a night like this was going to happen. <laughs> I knew a night like this was going to happen eventually. That, that, that we well, were just going to get well, dragged I'm, into I'm, the... I, I'm coming for King. King is a king. If you're listening, you're a fumbling tumbleweed of a man. When I see you, I'm going to slap the saliva from your eyeballs. Oh, damn. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah, don't King, think. King, King is a custard, okay? He's a, he's a lily-livered yellow belly. <laughs> That's what he is. He's wow. a, he's a, he's a, nothing of a man. And, and, and Frank, my good, my good, my good friend, Problematic Will, he, 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 he broke the news to me very, very easily okay. and gently. And we were able to we were able to do some research. And we were able to secure a dossier. Uh, we we did some research because. All right, he, all right, he, all right he, Kevin, he, Kevin, he, Kevin, you got to listen. We we, we got to get to we, we got to get to the the crux of this. So you, what's what's in the dossier? And what do you what do you want to say? Because you already you've, two things. Yeah, there's ahead. two things in the dossier, Frank. That I think that I think that you know you problematic. Will told me that you know you guys may be interested in this. So two things I found in the dossier about his origins. No, we, I, I, we found out that his origins, he's uh, he has Canadian origins. That's the one thing. That's and, then, and then another thing about this uh, we found in the dossier is that for he has a, I don't know what this means, but he has a very low tolerance for alcohol. Low tolerance for alcohol. Oh, well, well, thank you. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure I'm going to get a, uh, a very... A very angry call at some point, or maybe he'll he'll King, laugh. King, when I see you, I'm gonna kick you in your nuts. No, well there you go, King. Uh, you've someone has declared war on you, and apparently you are of Canadian descent. He doesn't know it. He said he was gonna slap him. That's that's not good. That's this. No, 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 no. No, I'll tell you, this is not good. Because I, uh, God. Anyway.
Well, anyway, we'll see what happens. King will be up this area soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where that call's from. He sounded like he was from around here. Did it? Was it? Yeah, you didn't hear him? No. No, I didn't. Let me see. Uh, no. No, actually. <laughs> I saw no, that. No. Oh, no, no. Actually, no. Oh, no. Let's just keep going. Uh, what's going on, caller? 609, you're on the air. Hey, Frankie, what's up, man? It's Adrian from Rise of Power. Oh, it's Good. great to have you on, Adrian. Thank you for calling in and and, uh, and, and lightening up the, the, the energy a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a little bit dark, but, you know, it's funny. It's awesome. Uh, you, you asked about the, the craziest, dirtiest job you ever had. Uh-huh. I work for a crime scene cleanup company. Oh, get out of here. Are you hiring? <laughs> you, well, you, you can, uh, it you, was back in my early 20s, but you it do, was by far the craziest thing I ever did. How long did you work there? Uh, About like six or seven months. Six or seven months. But it was long enough to see some shit. <laughs> dude, dude. All right, so what's the craziest so, thing you've seen? Yeah, what the, I mean, I don't... All right, so there was two sides to, to this job, right? There was the actual crime scene cleanup shit. And the craziest shit I saw doing that was that this dude, like, took a header out of, a, like, 24-story of a casino in Atlantic City and uh, fell into the kitchen <clears throat> oh. and popped, like, a water balloon. <laughs> and we had to go in there and pick up pieces of him. And, like, I was picking up pieces of his brain and shit. And, uh... At one point, I picked up a piece of his lip, oh and there my. was a mustache attached to it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So oh what happens? What do, you, what do you power wash everything out of there that, with water, and then you disinfect it? and like? Yeah, and you use this, like, uh, pressure, like, air air stuff, because, like, blood gets in, in the cracks of tiles and stuff, and it congeals. Oh. And it's like, oh, my God, when you see a pool of blood and, and it, it's been sitting there, which they almost all have because it's like a suicide or something that someone found, like found the person a few days later or something. And you could like pick up the, the blood and, and it's like a sheet of blood, like Dude. it's like a, a thick Dude, layer I, of it. I, I Honestly, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I know I was I was looking for, for, for dirty, <laughs> oh, weird wow. jobs. I don't know how you can get worse than this. Well, I can tell you worse because there was the worst part <laughs> of the job. <laughs> uh, well, so the listen, other part of the job was we had okay. to clean up the houses of hoarders. Okay. And I, I'm telling you, that is worse than the crime scene cleanup. That's what made me quit. We had this lady, dude. She was a hoarder, and she was living up in the third third floor of this like apartment building that had no elevator, and it was just stairs. And we we had to go there like in the one of the hottest days in the summer. It was like 98 degrees, dude. And uh, she, this lady didn't throw out her trash for 10 years, bro. Oh, she was literally living in a dump, like a, you know, a landfill. Uh, uh, you had to, you had to like, so the, the first room. Is this, uh, Adrian, is, is this one of those uh, cases where as you're, you're taking trash out and all that stuff, you're finding dead cats? Oh, yeah, she had cats. She had like 10 cats, bro. And we were finding dead cats and... All the shit that they were killing, and dude, you couldn't even close her refrigerator because of how much shit was in there. We felt like mayonnaise jars that were like 
12 years old, like with the old labels that we hadn't seen in like since we were kids, you know? <laughs> wow. It was insane. And I don't, I do, I don't want to even, I, like, get too graphic. You, but, like, you know, the here's the thing. Oh here's the thing, uh, Adrian. I, when I asked for this, this topic, I guess I never really thought it through. I'm thinking we're going to have somebody calling about, you know, you know, how they have to clean certain sewer lines and shit like that. And I, you, never really, you never really think about crime scene cleanup crews. I mean that is. Uh, I didn't even think to myself that this yeah. is that is a specific job that needs to be filled. Yeah, they don't clean themselves up, so yeah. Oh yeah, it, and it's kind of kind of noble work because in these in these like instances where you got a, a family who's got some relative who killed himself, none of them want to go in and clean up. No, no, I can that. I can imagine I can imagine. Um, I yeah, one hundred percent. I wouldn't want to go and 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 do something like that. Hard enough. Yeah. Uh, you feel like that house I mean, is we, haunted. We didn't deal with the bodies. It was it was what was left over after the body. The coroner would take the body. You know. But in the case of that dude in Atlantic City, there was no body for them to take. We had to deal with it all. Well, Adrian, uh, thank you for the call. I'm sure you can get worse, but I don't I don't know uh, how much how much I think you've given us just enough. I think. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but uh it was a life experience that I'll never forget. But you stayed on for a while though, you said. Yeah, I mean, it was it was good pay. <laughs> Did you ever go home uh pay. you ever go home and just look at yourself in the bathroom mirror and and or were you always just able to handle it or or did you go home and you and you really had had moments where you just didn't think that uh, you can go into work the next day? Uh, when, when we were doing the, the houses of hoarders, I I almost didn't make it to the to the last day of that that last job. It was so bad. It was so bad. And the heat. I mean, we were lugging, uh, you know, huge trash cans filled with stuff up and down three flights of stairs in like 98 degree weather. It was crazy. Man. And uh, the the lady was there the whole time. She was there. Usually, like with the hoarders, they're they're out in a mental institution somewhere, and the family would call us up. But this lady. You know, she she uh, decided to take this, the the next step in her life and clean up her act and and called us up and she she worked for QVC, <laughs> which is like the worst job you could give to a hoarder because they just buy all this stone crap, all yeah. these trinkets with their employee discounts. She had a whole room filled with like probably got know, probably all the got all the stuff that never sold either. Yeah, all all these like Christmas ornaments and and every time we would go to throw something away, she like no 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 no. We had to like, kind of talk her, talk her down, and be like, "You don't need this. It's okay." You know what I mean? Oh, so, so you have to actually—I mean, that's some—that's a psychiatric condition right there, man. Uh, so oh, I, I mean, for for you guys to even have to negotiate with her is something far beyond your pay grade. Um, she should have had a counselor there while you guys just did what had to be done—just throw it all out. Yeah, I mean, it—you know—my boss was dealing with that mainly. I was just doing what he what he told me to do and and trying to just avoid the lady as much as I could and keep from throwing up. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank thank you for the call, Adrian. Really interesting call. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There's Adrian from uh, Rise Attire. Well, cleaning up brain particles. Yeah, it is. That's what they're doing. Cleaning up brain particles. All right, let's take a quick break. Intermission. When we come back, we have a few other fun things to do before we bring on the Zells for uh, a, a segment that they say has really shocked them. It's shocking. It is shocking. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. 
any uh top tens or top fives for us today no i i didn't i'll make there's that a, one there's I a couple of requests one for i think the latest request is actually a really good one the one you asked for today yeah all right i'll um, do it this week when i have time so it'll be ready i have a few things i want to do right now here's a couple of super chats first um stostube says great night to support wonderful independent media good friday frank matt and frankly's stostube i just want to th say thank you to you uh a little extra attention because oh you among others are are there consistently and you've been watching for years you and your whole family and uh, thank you so much AK, thank you. Good to see you again. I know someone who was denied a higher level security clearance position in the military because they ran such a thorough background check and found he is a direct descendant of John Andre. Oh, you know what? John Andre, uh, they're also in the 76 house where he was hung up there. His um, Someone stole his little plaque there i think i told you about it uh it was like however much to replace it dude i called the fucking town say hey i i want to pay to have this guy you know he was he was a gentleman he was doing just doing his job yeah. you know george washington respected him dude, i call him, i want to pay to have it replaced this was like i don't know how many years ago I called up, I don't know who, the, the town. The town sent me to the rec department. The rec department sent me to parks. Parks sent me to, fine, I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I have to go through all this because I want to pay for something? 
Yeah. Well, well I, I, I gave I, up. Apparently, a, being a direct descendant of John Andre, head of British Secret Service, um, who was actually turned Benedict Arnold, as they said over here. Yeah. Um, Met him on the vulture. To think that you could have been denied a security level position in the military because of a descendancy like that from so long ago with the kind of uh, the kind of crop that they're bringing into the military now uh, uh, being a descendant of John Andre if that is really the only thing that disqualified this person that's ridiculous really if that's if, if that is really the only disqualifier huh. that's ridiculous um thank you AK Sarah K SK says when I asked last night about what the intro song was I meant the intro to the pre-show if you remember who it was, I'd love to know. Thanks. Thanks. Love the show. What was the intro to the pre-show last night? I don't know, Sarah. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, who that What the hell did I play? I forget. I guess I'll I'll take a look. And you can email me, and I'll, I'll confirm for you. KT Sky D says, The strangest, dirtiest job I've ever had was bartending at the local VFW. Those men like their beer poured up to their exact preferred millimeter and love being surly about it. The dirtiest part was cleaning the men's bathroom at the end of the night. Oh, you had to do that? Man. That sucks. Thank you, KT Sky D. Max says $1,500 is not a lot of ba uh, bail money for a man with a plane. It's true. It's true. You want to talk about flight risks and all that stuff. But then again, maybe they have, uh, they've locked down the plane. I mean, you need to go through a lot. That It's not like he, he takes off and lands in his backyard somewhere. It sounds like he was using the Saratoga airport. He could just, uh, he could just take it to a different airport. There's a couple other airports. There's one, I think, in Washington County somewhere <laughs> right down the road from there. He can probably take it somewhere to Vermont. Uh, Revolution says, Frank, tell Matt that when one chooses a nom de plume like Revolution, they may be prone to extreme views. And in the absence of clearly defined principles of Franciscanism, I may well be forced to form an even biglier ultra splinter sect. Chop, chop, Matt. They're pretty much saying if we don't know what the guidelines are, there's going to be a lot of people who are just going to form their own splinter sects. Things might happen to them. But do you... They, they can never think possible. Okay. See? <laughs> you see? Did you hear that, Rev? Rev also says, Donald J. Trump and Carrie Lake both probably won things that they were cheated out of. <laughs> yeah. And by extension, all of us in the case of Donald J. Trump. KT Sky D says, when Matt brought up the cheating question, I thought he meant something like your girlfriend cheating and left your hoodie at her lover's house and then he N kept it forever. No. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, a sporting event or something or. Yeah, well, um, that's, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's a great topic. And I, you know what I'm going to do, Matt? I'm going to take that topic. I'm going to turn it into a show thread. I'm going to give that about a week and a half for people to go and, and enter their um, enter their stories into that thread so we can actually actually do it on a Friday night with you here. Yeah, actually, the only reason why I thought, I thought about it earlier today because I was thinking about those uh, game show cheats. 
back in the day, there was one, I think the game show was called Concentration. Do you remember that show where it would go and you'd press the button? Uh, are you talking about like the, like car <sighs> carnival games? No, no, it was a game show. It was a game show. Oh, Pressure Luck, I think it was Pressure Luck. And you would press up, and this dude, like, he would watch this show for, for years, and he figured out, like, it followed a certain pattern. So he fucking knew exactly when to press it, and he, like, won a shitload of money, and they found out he was cheating. There's that. There's one on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Did you ever see that one? No. There's cheating so, on that? Oh, my God. So they were asked a question, and um, what the person would do is, if it was B, they would go... <laughs> So was somebody in the audience? Yeah, if it, you know, like they would cough, like whichever one, like hey. <coughs> yeah, how many times are you gonna cough before people start? I think the guy was on for like two nights. Wow. I can't remember if he won or not. I have to look into this. I seriously did not know any about these cheating scandals. Yeah. yeah. I know that movie uh, game show from the nineties. That was that's based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, the trivia show. Shooter Shooter McGavin was in it. Yeah, the trivia show. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, let's see. Let's go over to Rumble. We got some rants over there. Uh, K Punky eight three one five says, "Haven't sent you anything for a while, but I know I almost never, but no, I almost never miss a show, and I share like love discuss and and discuss quite frankly, and quite frankly, I adore you all. Never fear, Katie Jones is always near." Hey, you know what, Katie? That's wonderful of you, and it's great to see you there. And I'm I'm so glad to have you as a monthly supporter, and that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad to see some Rumble rants in there for a Friday night. Alice Frazzledrip says the motto for the Franciscans should be Matt's laugh. That is our war cry. Rise up! <laughs> you hear that chuckling coming over the hill. Uh, Cody117 says, well, 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 Frank came out in a support of Tom Jones. Makes sense why he's always covering his left eye <laughs> in a very subtle way. And don't get me started on his arm tattoo. That makes all the more sense now. I know. I'm sorry. His Illuminati tattoo. He actually has two Illuminati tattoos. What's the second one? What's the one on your... Oh, no, that's the Tesla coil you got, right? Or whatever you got in your no, elbow. It's just a, just, that's just a uh, radio tower. Oh, yeah, well, but he's got that, and he's also got the scar from the cut they give you when you join the Illuminati. What scar? The member you told me it was a blood oath you took. No. I can't take... I can't stand blood. Oh, I mean, I, I, you, you think I'd be able to cut myself and mix <laughs> it with somebody else's? I would... You see, this is the whole thing. I could never go... I could never go through the initiations. There's, there's too much things that freak me out. Okay, now it's the blood oath time. Then I pass out. <laughs> I just feel like, now you just have to sit there with your eyes blindfolded. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Texas Sue 383 says, Frank, thank you for all that you do. Been listening for about three years now. Rarely miss a show. Sue, I thank you. And I hope you keep in touch, and I hope you continue to enjoy yourself because um, I have every intention to keep doing this in bigger and better ways and let me tell you uh, in the next in the coming weeks when i have a new home office established i am building an entire room that is going to be um 
dedicated to not only my working on the show and writing it all, but it's also going to be a, a duplicate broadcast setup. Uh, a lot more compact, but just as much functionality. And I, I can't wait to do some Saturday. If I'm really, if I'm going to be all alone, if I don't have the guys coming in for a Saturday night, I'd love to have all them in again. But if um, if I don't have a guest in studio for a Saturday night or something like that, I can do it from home. We can do breaking news. I can do all types of stuff. It's going to be great. And um, I just want to create uh, more and more and go outside the bounds of the seven o'clock show, which is always going to be a constant. Cave Toad, Cave Toad just just really really blessed me right here with a a, a wonderful donation. It says just some uh, some fiat shekels toward the new video card. Uh, we need more folks on Quite Frankly TV. The bulletin, yeah, that's right. We need more people on the forum on Quite Frankly TV. Cave Toad is always posting wonderful topics there, getting people involved. But you know, it's it's a slow draw, just like it's been a slow crawl with the. With the Gilded, we had over 4,000 people on our Discord, and that got taken away. And now we're just, we just hit 500 people on the Gilded. It's very cozy. It's got the same kind of feel, though, as Discord. It's, uh, it, it's really awesome. And I would hope that you can all come back, and there's always chatter going on there. And, um, and soon we'll hopefully be able to work it into the fray with the, um, with the call-ins, too. But other than that, there's the forum. We had 17,000 people that was on the Quite Frankly subreddit, so it's going to take a little time for us to get things moving on this independent platform that we have set up on, on, the, on the website for the forum. So get in there. It's free to sign up, and you don't have to worry about any kind of political craziness from the host company. Alice, again, says, Worst job is to walk into a barn and take uh, 20,000 chickens to the trucks. Once in a while, you find a midget, and when you found one, you are obligated to hit your coworker in the head. I feel bad. I twenty thousand chickens to the truck. Once in a while, you find a midget, and when you found one, you are obligated to hit your coworker in the head. Like a, a midget chicken. I don't know. Live free or die. Seventeen seventy six is Frank. Are there instructions on how to join the book club and or quite frankly TV Discord? Tried to join Discord but couldn't figure it out. Well, Discord no longer exists. But if you go into the link, uh, there's a. If you go onto quite frankly TV in the about, there is a a link right there for the gilded. There's a, a, a gilded invite link in the description of this episode on Rumble and YouTube or anywhere else where the episode is the episode is posted with a description, a full description. So you can check that out. And as far as book club goes, as long as you're a monthly subscriber on any of the 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 monthly processing platforms that are listed on the website or in the description as well, <laughs> then the the link is sent out on Patreon or Subscribestar and or directly through quite frankly TV. The the link is always sent out. Everybody's automatically included at any level. Um, if you need any more help, email me, Larkstar. Thank you so much, Lark. It's great to have you out there. All right, um, Matt, you want to take a look at something real quick? This sure. is now you had. Um, there was a little something I'd seen from this show a couple of years ago. I'd forgotten all about it. I think you sent it to me. It's from a UK show called This Morning. 
And this segment is called My Painkillers Turned Me Gay. Painkillers and blood pressure medication blood, we know you got to watch out for. We know blood pressure medication can do right. that. But this, um, I, I want to play this for you. It's only six minutes long. But this is hilarious. And I had to check. I checked on this and a couple other videos. I looked into it. From what I've been able to dig up, this is not satire. From whatever I, what I've been able to dig up, this is real. This is from 2018, though. I still think it's just so entertaining. Take a listen to this. Describe your life before the accident. Well, before the accident, it was just a, a normal life. Uh, go out with people, enjoy myself, go out and night out and that. Girlfriends? Uh, yeah, yeah, quite a few. Had you ever experimented? Uh, when I was 16 or 17, I was a little cu curious. Oh, so he's already gay. He's by curious, yeah. Oh, so these are... but, but, okay, so... I guess I didn't hit that, hear that part. I, I, you know, I, whatever. Anyway, I skipped ahead a little bit. But anyway, th th this is interesting how he, even though there's that in his, in his past, look what he says about the painkillers. And um, there was a lad that I knew that was gay. Right. And I started uh, kissing him and that. But then I turned around and said, no, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. This isn't for me. Okay, so then you continued your life. And like you said, you had a girlfriend, you were with other girls. Um, so after this accident... Then, so you were you were hospitalised for a month, and they told you you'd never fully recover, and that you'd have to take these painkillers. How quickly after taking these painkillers did you notice a change? <laughs> well, basically, I think this is where there's well, been a bit of. I started sucking off guys. <laughs> <laughs> I started. I realised I'm, I'm sucking off a guy. What the hell am I doing? Mistake with the papers. I, I broke my foot in 2012. Yeah. And from there on. Uh, up to 2000, and, well, this year, early this year, I've been on codeine and other kind of medication right. like tramadol, but um, they weren't very nice. It uh, started to make you feel ill. Didn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, started to make me feel sick, and tramadol um, made me feel uh, feel really ill. Mm. So that's when they prescribed me pregabalin, um, and I've been taking that since about early February. And this is the drug that you say has made this change. So yeah. as soon as you start taking it, how, how soon after that did you start having feelings towards men? About four or five days. Uh, <laughs> about four or five yes. hours. Four or five <laughs> Four or five hours. <laughs> it's, it's, as soon as that pill hit my tummy, I just... As soon as I got the prescription from the medical office or wherever you prescriptions I, I went to the medical office and got the prescription. <laughs> Where do you pay for uh, the, the prescription Obviously. the medical office gave me? Did you, what was your girlfriend? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me go back just a little bit. He's got a girlfriend at the time here, too. Is, um, so pretty quickly. Yes. And what did you? What was your girlfriend? Because you were quite open with your girlfriend about. Yes. Your um, well, my girlfriend knew that I was taking uh, these medications because I'm on more than one. I'm on quite a few, and um, I started. I didn't say anything at first, not to her, <laughs> but I started like giving her less cuddles, less mm, just attention, yeah. and that. And then um, I thought all I craved and wanted was just male. Attention. Right. <laughs> this, is all this is all because of the, the, the drug, he says. The painkillers. Um, so I thought, I thought it was a bit weird. So I just stopped all medication, everything. You sort of did an experiment, really, just to see whether or not... Mm, I, just, I just stopped everything, you know, just in case. And as soon as that happened and I stopped taking it, uh, my sexual attraction towards my ex-girlfriend 
went back up. Yeah. yeah, I was more intimate with her. He's straight again. <laughs> he, he and the best thing is that he went back. Hold on. He sounds like more Sean Connery. With her. No, he doesn't. A little lish. Uh, he has a little lish, but like the Sean Connery. Just everything normal, but then the pain started building. I had a great time with that. I had, a, I had a great time in the bathroom okay. with a guy. I just if followed you in there. Followed a man into the bathroom, slapped his ass. The best place. In my foot. Mm. So I thought, well, I'm gonna start taking all my painkillers again. Yeah. And yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> He, he, wanted he, wanted to be, he wanted to be gay, but he knew without the drugs he, he wouldn't could. be. <laughs> he I can't be gay without the drugs. This is such a... This is, dude, I'm telling you, I stopped this video three times <laughs> to make sure it was not satire or some kind of parody. It's, um... Is it a real show? It's a real show. It's got millions of subscribers. And I checked all of their their socials. There's nothing about parody here. A couple more seconds. You say now that, um, I mean, obviously you've broken up with your girlfriend. Yes. Because you've decided to stay on the painkillers. And, uh, and that, and that. You the question is, the, my question is, do you really, do you, are you actually managing pain anymore? Or are you just trying to make, <laughs> are you just trying to keep yourself gay? Actually, now I'm just in pain when I'm not on the painkillers because I want to be gay. It's a, a different, well, a different type of pain. <laughs> you would fight anyone who said they were going to take them off you now because this is the, uh, this is the life that you actually Yeah, want. I'm, I'm really happy now I'm on it and I know now. Uh, the fear is that if I stop taking it, I start going back to how I was. Yeah. Uh, going back to women. My fear so is that I. Yeah, it's it's a choice for this guy. But it's so weird. The chemical the, the chemical agent in this story is so weird that it, yes, it is a conscious decision that's being made. But it's not, but the only way he feels he can have that life is if he's on this very specific drug. That's real weird. That's the, uh, you know, it's, that's the real thing uh, about this. It's the chemical aspect. The same chemicals they probably put in the water to turn the frogs gay. They're probably in the painkillers. The pain, the pain medication is called Priga, uh, Pregabalin. Pregabalin. It probably has something to his estrogen receptors. Look at him. Look, um, he can't even grow facial well, I, hair. I, do that. I think that uh, there are, uh, you know, great many members of the. LGBT uh, community who uh, no community who would get very offended in the fact that uh, that homosexuality you know could even be remotely looked at as being a medical condition. Mm. Oh yes, well, I know, but but it is. Um, I have um, <laughs> I I choose to be on this gay drug. I'd be I'd be straight without it. I am gay. Now, now let's be honest. He wasn't totally straight without it. Uh, I mean, probably not. Yeah, he doesn't. He even said he was bi when he was 16 and 17, and he wanted to be gay when he wasn't gay. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's. There's a lot more on that. I have to keep uh, them in my. I have to keep them in my my scope there because maybe they'll produce more bangers for a a Friday night. That's interesting stuff, huh? Um, let's see. Oh, uh, let me see. I think we have the. I think the Zells are going to be calling in sometime soon, but I, there's other things I wanted to do. Did you see the... Did you hear Trevor Williams from the Nationals about about LGBT, all this stuff? 
Uh, is he the one he said something and then he had to like cuck himself? Oh well, th- th- that, that that's Anthony. Dodger? That's Anthony Bass. That was bad. That's Anthony Bass from the Blue Jays, and he's had a rough year so far. Got to be reeducated. Well, that was the guy. That was the guy who um, who caught all that shit because his wife was on a plane with his two two kids, two toddler children, and the toddlers made a mess of the whole plane. They're throwing popcorn all over the place, and the flight attendants were like, you know, asking the the asking the the pregnant wife if she can help clean up after the kids or whatever. And he made a, a big stink about that, and. And it really brought so much heat down on him because he took the, the just the worst positions. There's just no accountability there. And then, of course, people started digging into. They just start. I mean, it did not go well for him. Oh, that's all I'll say. People started questioning his um, his uh, paternity status of some of the kids, and um, it, it was just a rough week, you know. And then all of a sudden, I see this. And they throw. Hold on, I think I might actually have it. Anthony Bass. He's the setup man for the the Blue Jays, and he must. I don't even know what the original post was, but the Blue Jays up there, of course, in Canada, they send him out there with his tail tucked between his legs, and it's it's just so uncomfortable. Take a listen to this. I recognize yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community. The Pride. Food. The Pride community. I belong to the Pride community. Friends of mine and close family members of mine, and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates, took them, shared with them my actions yesterday, and I apologized with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. I'm using the Blue Jays' resources to better educate myself. What does that mean? He's like fucking shocking himself. I, he he probably just in the locker room disconnected his nipples from some kind of a, uh, a, a a clamp system, electric clamps. I I wish I knew what the original. What was the original one? I I, I want to see what the originally what he said. Anyway, Let's hold make on. Better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark, and we, we want to welcome everybody. Right. Well, yeah. Well, there's no sexuality tests at the front door. Um, none of that. We're there were this very, very different thing from people being able to walk through the door, who live all types of private lives. It's another thing to um, to need to put certain people on a pedestal who have to act out their their whatever, whatever they have going on for them constantly, and, and praised as if it's some sort of a superpower. That's just the really thing. The, the, the big thing, but here's on the opposite side of that, a tale of two men. Trevor Williams, he is a relief pitcher. I think he's a relief pitcher for the Washington Nationals. And he said the following about all this stuff going on in the Major League Baseball. As a devout Catholic, I'm deeply troubled by the Dodgers' decision to reinvite and honor the group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, at their Pride Night this year. A Major League Baseball game is a place where people from all walks of life should feel welcome, something I greatly respect and support. This is the purpose of different theme nights hosted by organization uh, by the organization, including Pride Night. To invite and honor a group that makes a blatant and deeply offensive mockery of my religion and the religion of over 4 million people in Los Angeles County alone, and undermines the values of 
respect and inclusivity that should be upheld by any organization, creating an environment in which one group feels celebrated and honored at the expense of another is counterproductive and wrong. It is the clear violation of the Dodgers discrimination policy, which explicitly states that any content or attire at the ballpark is deemed that is deemed to be indecent or prejudiced against any particular group or religion is not tolerated. It seems that the Dodgers have made an exception in this case, doubling down that this group, which grossly disrespects and openly mocks many of the traditions and beliefs the Catholics hold dear, should be celebrated. I believe it is essential for the Dodgers to reconsider their association with this group and strive to create an inclusive environment that does not demean or disrespect the religious beliefs of any fan or employee. I also encourage my fellow Catholics to reconsider their support of any organization that allows the type of mockery of its fans to occur. I know I'm not alone in my frustration, hurt, and disappointment about the situation. And uh, as Catholics, we look to Jesus Christ and the way he was treated. And we realize that any suffering in this world unites us to him in the next. And I, I think it's a, I think that's a, you're not going to get any apologies out of him for that. Then again, Anthony Bass is not very well thought out. And this guy is obviously very intelligent. I also saw, I also saw how Major League Baseball on June 1st had their trans flag default picture up there and it's gone. I don't know if it comes back up, but it was gone the next day and then they just they just uh today they refashioned everything for Lou Gehrig Day, which is what today is. So I wonder how many people on the inside, how many players are saying enough of this shit. I'm telling you, it's 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 over the time of The Yankees aren't real. they haven't done any shit like this, have they? They have their pride nights. The Yankees have also created a, L, a, a, a LGBT uh, spo- sp- uh, scholarship program where one gay kid from every borough gets a scholarship. So, I mean, listen, it's, every, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But I'm sure that there are plenty of players that are just like enough of this shit. I know that there's a lot of people saying no thanks in hockey now. I love that. Oh, well, yeah. Hockey is, yeah. Those are all those... Uh... But they have Slavics it. and Europeans. Yeah. It doesn't mean listen, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do some battle over the over in the future. They're gonna have to continue to battle this stuff because any organization that brings on those uh equity and inclusion Oh actually no, they already people, started that. Yeah, they have it. They already started that in the NHL. NHL. They're yeah. forcing them at least they're starting like with the front office and stuff like that and players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. I forgot that. Anything yeah. that brings on diversity, equity and inclusion officers is is uh it, it's pretty much they've been they've been given the the poison barb. Yeah. It it takes a little time, but they they're it's going to get worse and worse, no doubt. Let's take a call over here. Is this Frank? Yes, it is. Hey, what's going on, Frank Zell? What's going on, Frank? Hey, how you doing, Matt? Hey, what's up? Hey, is Jim on with us, too? All right, let me... Yeah, hold on. He's going to be on a, with us in one second. Hold on. Okay. Jim. Yeah. Huh? There you go, Frank. Hey, welcome back. I, you know, you, got, you guys are both off a of speakerphone, right? Yeah, I am now. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Well, listen, it's great to have <laughs> you, you me. both on. Hey, Frank, Frank, we talked a little bit about you last night behind your back. Yeah, I know. I listen. The darkness. Well, there's a little bit. You, 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 yeah. I brought the one that flies off the handle, Frank. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking. You know, I'm not talking Emperor Palpatine darkness. I'm talking about there's a little bit more of a, uh, a you know a, a thick soupy energy there. 
Hey, and don't let my brother fool you with the Babe in the Woods routine. The guy's been in more fights than Sugar Ray Leonard for crying out loud. Oh, really, Jim? Please. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I guess he walked away from that conversation last night. So let, let let Frank to continue continue thinking I'm the whimsical and impish one. So anyway, <laughs> um, I'm, you guys are coming back two nights in a row now, and because you want to do uh, a little something that really blew you away, you said, and it has to do with Epstein. A, a lot more of these things that are, that we we get these uh, revelations and dribs and drabs. This one has to do. With Larry Nasser, so it's been over a year and a half since we talked about this. Can you just first nutshell one of the last things we talked about with Larry Nasser and what his story is and why it's so interesting and why what you learned in the last 24 hours with Epstein and this Larry Nasser link is so mind-blowing to you? Yeah, I mean, I get up this morning and I'm, you know, I, I do my thing. I'm going through some Twitter uh, feeds and I see through some released documents that in the last 36 hours of Epstein's life, he was trying to correspond with Larry Nasser, And like you said, we've talked about this about a year and a half ago. I was totally floored and stunned. My brother and I were talking about it from about 5.45 this morning till about 8 o'clock, going back in the morning, going back and forth with this. Some of you may know who Larry Nasser is. Some of you out there may not know. Larry Nasser was the uh, sports doctor for Michigan State University who was abusing scores and scores of students until he was finally caught, okay? And in that particular, in his case, there were red flags all over the place that something was very off. And you know, I was talking to you about it, Frank, and my brother and I will go back and forth on it, that there was definitely something of a sex ring that was going on at Michigan State University. Because when you look deeper into the case, I was talking to some reporters, I got some police affidavits. There was all types of wrong going on. This is the same Larry Nasser who was um, connected with uh, John Geddert. Geddert was the Olympic gymnast coach for the 2012 uh, gold medal team, and he was like America's sought after gymnastics coach. Well, John Geddert was being charged for abusing his students verbally and, and physically and sexually, but he also had a back room that he had set up for none other than Larry Nasser to come and look at his students as well. And him and John Getter used to hang out quite a bit when they uh, weren't working uh, together. So, but John Getter committed suicide before he can go to jail. And so we'll never get the full uh, story on their relationship, but they were close pals, make no doubt. Um, Regarding Nasser and Michigan State University, he had a boss, and this guy was the dean of uh, Michigan State University's College of Osteopathic Medicine. Basically, that was that was Nasser's boss. That was his top dog. That was in charge of him. This guy Stampler was uh, charged with having a video on his computer of Nasser abusing a student. Now, we can spend a whole, uh, in several minutes just on that alone. Like, how is Strampler having uh, cameras in, in an exam room? Number one, you can't do that, but he has access to a camera, and it's getting fed to his computer. Who else is doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, so Strampler was getting to watch Nasser abuse victims, and that was Nasser's boss. 
right? Everything was wrong in Michigan State University. Uh, Luana Simon uh, was the president. She lied to investigators about an incident of abuse. The judge even came out and said, there is no way that you forgot this particular incident. And what you're telling us, you're, you're lying. And she got charged with a felony for lying. And then you have the MSU Board of Trustees where uh, Dana Nessel, which was the Michigan prosecutor, was begging the school. I, re I remember this. I remember listening to the news, following uh, the articles, and she was begging the trustees, you have to release the documents that you're holding on to. There's 6,000 pages of information that has emails from Nasser to colleagues, um, witnesses, uh, friends of Nasser's that you're not letting us have and that we can't get a full um, investigation done without this. They told them we're not going to give it up because it's uh, attorney-client privilege due to litigation in the case. That was five years ago, right? Last month, the prosecutor asked again, can you please give these documents so we can have closure and have this uh, investigation finalized and go through everything we need to? She gave them a three-day deadline. They said no again. So looks like we'll never get those documents. And for whatever reason, why they're hiding those documents and keeping them secret, who knows? And then you have um, the FBI agents who botched it. And Frank, you wanted to touch base on the FBI agents? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody should know the drill right now when it comes to the FBI. You know, when they want to do a good job, they'll do a good job. They mm. got all the tools at their disposal. But when they want to sit on a case or botch a case, they can do that as well. And this was a case they wanted to sit on because that's what they sat on the information. They got the information from the U.S. Olympic Committee in 2015 and didn't do anything. They didn't notify. They knew that NASA was molesting girls. They knew it. And they did nothing. They didn't tell state authorities. They didn't uh, call other FBI officers. They did nothing. And then when they got caught, they tried to cover it up. It's like Penn State. They, Bigger than Penn State. I'm sorry. Oh, this this thing, it's like this. It, it's like a, a hidden sex ring. That's what's going on now. It had it, it had to be because who Larry Nassar was and who he was connected with. It had to be at this for them point. to act in this in this manner. Yeah. Had, there's no other reason for them to do what they they did, and then they committed several crimes in covering up what they did. And of course, you know, they're not going to be prosecuted for what they did. No, they weren't. But, yeah. yeah, they weren't prosecuted. But you know, and, and so so why? So why did they feel the need to try to sit on this information? Because if it wasn't for the Indy Star, which is the newspaper in Indianapolis, we wouldn't know any of this. We wouldn't know about that. Nasser is in jail because of the Indy Star. They broke the whole thing open. And once it, once it got out to the public, it spun out of control. And next thing you know, Nasser's in the courtroom. And now he's serving like 100 years or whatever the hell. Like, it's like 170 years, but we yeah, all know it's always bigger than the one guy. 
It's like that's why we have a we did a, a, a blog post called Penn State 2.0 because yeah. just like Penn State was bigger than Sandusky because Sandusky is what everybody's familiar with with that case, but it was about the Second Mile organization. Yes, and about the original the original accusations was the pimping out of kids from the Second Mile to wealthy donors. That was the original accusation, and then it morphed into just Jerry Sandusky. Sandusky Same was the uh, he, he he was the Epstein in the whole thing, you know the, the the one the face that you the face the the pervert that you focus in on, and hopefully the yeah. entire thing can culminate with uh, him being dealt with or whatever, and that that's just what it was all about. Uh, Harvey Weinstein uh, being the sacrificial lamb for the Me Too movement. I still don't know why people like him uh, t- take the take the sentence and just uh, and live with it. But obviously, because you know that there are much bigger fish, and maybe that's just what the whole thing is. You know, one day you may have to just uh, be the person that goes away. Yeah, and, and Frank, and this is something, you know, you add this one little tidbit about Larry Nasser. I mean, his first reported abuse was by a woman in 2014. He didn't get arrested until 2016. But he was doing this for decades, okay? He was an, a, an alum of... Uh, the University of Michigan. That's where he went to school. When he was working there, he worked in the athletic department, obviously, because that's what he wanted to go to school for. And he worked with a guy named Robert Anderson. Okay? Robert Anderson has his own scandal from the University of Michigan because he was a prolific, maybe even more than Nasser, in, in uh, sexual abuse. This guy worked with him at the same time. Birds of a feather flock together. Anderson and Nasser, they since they worked at the same department, most likely knew each other. And now, so who the hell knows what they were doing. So, so now that we've and got now, the, uh, the 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 nutshell there, and what we were talking about before, and how big this really was, and of course, as you said, if not for the small little newspaper, uh, th- this whole operation would still be going on, and 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 nothing. Nothing this big can ever just really be about Larry Nasser and have it go on for that long. Nobody can be an independent operator doing this much damage to people, dealing in, 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 human, in human resource like that without there being a much bigger thing going on. So what, what, did you, what, what was in this, uh, this Epstein, what was it? There were, there were messages, there were emails, what was it? Well, here's the thing, you know, it was a a letter within the last 36 hours of his life, he put forward a letter. Now, we all know that he knew his time was coming short. There was already he, one, yeah, they already had made one attempt on his life already. So I mean, he, he knew he knew he was running out of time. So all of a sudden, he's going to write a letter to Larry Nasser. I mean, out of, like, what did it say? Hey, Larry, hi. It's Jeff. I'm a big fan. Or was it no. something along the lines of, hey, you still got that videotape? I need it. Or something along those lines. Please give it to my attorney. Well, what happened to, to that letter, Frank, was that, you know, the guards got it. And as they said, we didn't know what to do with it. So we sent it back. And now, as my brother and I were joking earlier, that letter committed suicide. Wait, they sent it back you to know, where? That letter was shot. Yeah. Sad. Oh. Well, where did they you say know. they sent it? 
because you're never going to find what was in the contents of that one. But where, wait, 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 but Jim, where did they say they sent it? They, they said they received it and they, they sent it back. Where back was? Back it was to the burn pit? It, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was marked return to sender. Return to sender, that's right. Yeah, other than that, nope, nobody knows what was in the letter that this guy had to write to Larry Nassar 36 you know, hours before his death. Frank, it's just like in the Gilfane Maxwell trial, right? It, it, the, the trial is live. Everyone's following it, and they're saying, hey, and the investigators went into the master bedroom. What did you find? Oh, we found these videotapes with these people on them. Oh, who were they? Oh, that's, we can't say. That's classified. Right. Next, on and on through the Maxwell trial that happened, right? Several times. Oh, we found these videotapes. What was on it? We can't tell you. Right? Same thing with that letter. <laughs> what was in the letter? Well, we can't say. But why the hell was he contacting that guy out of all people with 36 hours left, you know, basically before he got, you know, he got killed? Fascinating. Huh. It and, is. And that blew my mind this morning that that was the guy. My brother guessed. He goes, was it Jerry Sandusky? I was like, not pretty freaking close. See, see, there's got to be, you know, there's obviously a connection between the two. He's not, he's not writing him a fan letter. He, so, well, you know, Frank, that, that is, you know, I'm not saying I can't find the exact connection, but he did have a house in Michigan. He had that little chateau uh, at the back of the Interlochen School of the Arts in Michigan. Well, you yeah, know, I, and there, no, no, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, there was that school for the arts in, in Michigan that he had that little bungalow in the back that they provided for him. And there were different um, people from boards from different schools. You know, University of Michigan had people there. MSU, Michigan State University, had board members there. So who really knows what his ties were to uh, Michigan State University, Larry Nasser? Um, who knows? But we might know that he was uh, floating around there for sure. Well, you but know, my point well, is, is, yeah. that, is that the reason why they sat on it? Why, why try to make the NASA thing go away? Why did they sit on it? They, it's, oh, this only got exposed once again because of a newspaper. They did their job, or else yeah. he wouldn't have gotten caught, and the public wouldn't know any of this. So, why did they sit on it? It's obvious Epstein knew NASA or why try to contact them shortly before he died. Is that is, is there a connection between the two that the FBI said not on NASA we can't go after NASA, this is this connects to something else. Which brings me back to Leap Year, but that's a whole other story. You know, uh, yeah. you, the, the more that you guys explain it, and when we talk about how massive these these uh, operations are, whether it be in, uh, you know, Penn State or Michigan over here with uh, with, with Nasser, and uh, and then there's there's Nexium, and there's there's so many things. It almost seems like these rings are corporations unto themselves, and they they share a lot of uh, interests, and 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 they they do trades. It's like it's like a a, a, a really a, a hidden economy, and um, and there's no way to really separate one branch of it from everything else without really taking down this whole underground network of, I mean, what really probably makes the world go round. And, and, and to, to Frank's point there, too, exactly, you don't even need, I mean, it would be, you want to talk about mind-blowing, imagine what was actually in that letter, but you don't need the letter to understand what the hell was going on there, because again, 
clear, yeah. In in that in that part of his life when he knows, okay, they've already tried to get me once. Uh, there's no way for me to get out. I'm screwed. All of my bail uh, offers are being denied. They're going to kill me here. I've got hours left. In your hours of need, 36 hours left. Till, I mean, you don't know that you have 36 hours, but you know that every hour is precious. The people that you try to reach out to, the things that you're trying to do to extend your life even a little bit, you are calling in every favor. You are trying to, you are trying, I mean, hoping against hope that you can work something out. This is not a fan mail kind of a thing uh, like, like, uh, like you guys are saying. I, I'm a big fan, would love to meet you one day. This has to be about favors and about trying to save your fucking life at all costs. It's just, uh, it's, in, it's incredible what he might have been cashing in on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's staggering, really, that, that that was his last contact or that he tried to reach out to. And but, you know, you know, we're never gonna, we'll never know what he said. If he, you know, but if you just put the like, you summed it up pretty good, Frank. I mean, it's if you, yeah. if you don't need to know what's in it. You just look at the scenario, and you could pretty much know he's he's reaching out for this guy, most likely for some kind of help. In the in probably it's blackmail because the whole damn system is based on it. That's how our government works. That's how the whole thing works. It's blackmail. The whole system is designed. If you got enough people doing this stuff in government, it's impossible to stop it. Yeah, you can't send them to jail. Night. You can't arrest them. Richard Barris, right on your show, yelling about Jimmy, yelling about Comey should be in jail. How the hell was he ever going to be in jail? Ever? He was the head of the FBI. He probably knows enough information on so many people. He's untouchable. Untouchable. Yeah. Well, uh, now, I'm just curious to see what else gets uh, dripped out there. Yeah. I mean, because to me, that was mammoth. It, what, what it is because it, it's mammoth. And that's why when you when you guys reached out today after talking about this last night, uh, last night, the theme uh, my, my thoughts about what was being talked about again with Tommy Matola and, uh, and and everybody else in these latest emails and contacts, whatever they got through FOIA. Um, I say, well, it's almost like with WikiLeaks at this point. We hear Chris Rock over and over again. We hear these. It doesn't make it any any less uh, intriguing. But if these names can be floated out there every six to eight months, and still there's no interest to look into it, then it's uh, as much as we know that there's something worthy of peering into. Uh, we're we're going to get we're going to get stonewalled here. So I, I was talking to Jim last night about this kind of lulling us to sleep with things we've already seen, and then boom, today you guys have something that actually took your breath away a little bit. Yeah, it was it was amazing. But to my brother's point, you know, it's like, and we talked about it last night, Frank. If everyone is doing it, you know, how can you how can you how can you prosecute anybody if it's if everyone's really involved in some fashion, you know, well, but you know, I, I was thinking about it today and I was like, you know, I was looking at the schedule. You know, I'm not a big college football guy. I'll watch a game here and there. And I was thinking about, you know, you know, who's Penn state play this year, Michigan state, you know, who's uh, Michigan play this year, Penn state, you know, you wonder that these teams, they were athletic uh, doctors. They were there sports doctors for years and years and years and years. These guys, they traveled to Penn State. Penn State traveled there. Their doctors probably met with their, their other team's doctors and, you know, mingled and 
Sandusky was there. You know, I just picture these guys getting together. You know, Anderson, you know, Nasser, Sandusky. You telling me these people never crossed paths at all? You know, and not, not even we're not even bringing up another guy named Richard Strauss from Ohio State who had their own massive sex scandal. <laughs> another serial uh, abuser for years and years and years. And Frank, that's the key sign of a sex ring, and you're spot on that when these things can go for such a long duration, people are, 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 are facilitating it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, you guys uh, you guys really uh, closed out the week with a bang with uh, us over here. Um, if there's anything else, obviously, well, I'd love to, uh, love to get you guys in for even just small correspondence spots, not even just the, the, bigger, the bigger episodes, which I still want to plan those with you guys. But this was a wonderful uh, drop-by. Anything else you want to leave us before we, we uh, close out the week? Um, you know, like I said, if, you, if you're interested in learning a little more about it, and it's on our blog at Penn State 2.0. You can check that out. Um, other than that, I'm just curious to see what else drops because that was a pretty big name. Okay, in the Zeller. Yeah, this was, well, no, thanks no. for having us. Out. No, 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 no. Go, appreciate go ahead, Frank. Go ahead, Frank. Oh no, no, I was just saying. You know, I, that's it for me. I just appreciate you having us on as usual. Okay. So. Well, I, I love having you guys on, and I hope that people go check that out on the blog. You said that the the, the most pertinent uh, uh, entry was Penn State 2.0. That's the, the title of the blog on inthezeller.com? Yep. Okay. Penn State 2.0, and, and if you type in Nasser, which is N-A-S-S-A-R in the search bar, you might dig up another article or two besides that one. Well, thank you both. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Frank. Thanks, thanks Frank. Have a great weekend. You too. Later. All right, so that's the Zells. Now let's get into some Super Chats, and then we're doing our Badass of the Night. All right, um, let's see here. A Lark Star says, another great week, Frank. That book that is nothing I would consider baseball. Uh, more like you said, it's so well delivered, but the author, the collective discussion you host is very interesting. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, see you soon on Roseanne. Hugs to Matt. Thank you. See me soon on Roseanne? <clears throat> yeah. Um, what's that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be on Roseanne. What's Roseanne doing? I, whatever it is, I hope I'm invited. Thank you so much, Lark. I hope I'm invited. Um, over on Rumble, we had, I think, one, one or two more that came in over there. I think one more. Uh, Tony Garrett says, Frank, you should look into the former host of this morning, the guy in the green shirt with the gray hair. Uh, gay pills pale in comparison to that scandal. Oh, man. Send me a link on it because uh, I, I don't know anything about this morning. Uh, all I wanted to ascertain was whether or not it was a satire, like how the, the Onion used to do really good satire videos back in the day and played it really straight where sometimes you just couldn't tell unless, of course, you saw the little Onion watermark. Um, but, yeah, I, that's all I knew. Over on Foxhole, this we have Alan Wrench says Cheese Factory. Smell oh so he worked at a cheese factory. Smelling like curdled milk outside, had to hold your breath and run in while gagging. I, I have to I would hope that that's one of those things where when you, you you work around a smell that you just stop smelling it after a while. Even oh, yeah. though you that reek. happens with everything, with skunks, with yeah. I, I I would have to imagine anybody that works at Yankee Candle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the only man. thing I you probably maybe 
I guess the smell rotting flesh is you get used to it, but it's still no anybody disgusting. Who, anybody nasty. who's around that, I mean, they they all use no, the I've eaten lunch in that stench. They have they have uh, nose plugs. They've got Vicks vapor vapor rub they put under their nose. Real men don't use stuff like that. Shit they like just that, I wouldn't breathe that the in. Smell of rotting Stay deer with the, carcasses with rotting candles. I'll tell you when, when I would when I would walk by the Yankee Serenity by Jane Candles. <laughs> Serenity by Jan. <laughs> the, mo- the the least serene person on the planet was Jan <laughs> Levinson Gould. No Gould. Um, but when I would go to the ga- the gallery, the Galleria. When I would go to the Galleria back in the day, and you would walk by Yankee Candle, what would hit you would take your breath away as if an icy wind. Just yeah. like you, you would actually have to re- your lungs, your diaphragm would have to reset because the blast of fragrance. And I used to wonder how the hell they do it. But you walk inside of there, and after a couple of couple of I don't know, like a half a minute, it really starts going away. But you know it's not gone because if you just walk by the place, you're getting blasted. It's not less inside. I mean, that's the cauldron inside, and you can't smell it after a while. So. You just wonder what it, what kind of an effect does that have on you? Um, <laughs> Might lead to some type of mental retardation if you work in there eight days, a, uh, eight hours a day. Eight hours a Smelling day. Smelling those candle fumes. Cave Toad says, "Have you ever had Marvin Haymire as a badass?" June fourth is Killdozer Day. Uh, you know, Killdozer. I I don't think that we ever did. I forget him. I know that he was killed at the end, right? Uh, yeah, I think he might have killed himself. Did, and did, did he kill people? No, oh, no. I don't see, think I don't, he th- I don't think so. And then um, there's that other kid that took that plane. Remember oh, that? The Sky King. That was what 2017. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was 16, 17. All right, Vaughn, well, you landing now, huh? You know, I really didn't think of that. I didn't think that far ahead. And I was just gonna take it, do a couple loops, and. Crash that, it. <laughs> that was part of that window of time where things were just something that was, was happening. Harambe, wasn't it? Yeah, things were were really bubbling. That was the the Pacific Northwest, no? Alaska or something like that? No, I'm thinking. I'm not sure where it was. That was on the West Coast, I believe. It was over water or somewhere over water. Thank you, Sean Joe. Thank you, Jesse eight one one three eight. And Stostube sent an entire sleeve of cookies. Stostube. Just just totally burying us in, in love. Cave Toad again says, we need a Frankly Deathmatch series. Call out to uh, Frankly Graphics, folks. So, thank you, guys. Secret Weapon, thank you. Robert Sarns, Sean Joe, wonderful. I'm releasing the scratching right now, and I hope you guys enjoy uh, weekend programming on QuiteFrankly.tv. All right, with that, we are going into our badass for the night. Let's do it. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Okay, our badass. His name is Jacob Miller. In 1863, Jacob Miller, a Union Army soldier from the 9th Indiana Infantry, miraculously survived being shot in the head during the Civil War. He participated in several battles, including Greenbrier in West Virginia, the Siege of Corinth, Perryville in Kentucky, and Stones River. Despite being declared dead by his captain, Miller regained consciousness after the Battle of Chickamauga. 
and described his experience to a newspaper in 1911. Miller vividly remembered the moment when a Confederate soldier aimed at him, pulled the trigger, and the musket ball struck his forehead between his eyes. Initially, believed to have suffered fatal wound, Miller surprised everyone by sitting up and assessing the damage. He discovered that his left eye had been dislodged from its socket and he carefully maneuvered the crushed bone to realign it. Using his bandana as a makeshift bandage, he did his best to secure his injured eye. Despite the severity of his condition, Miller displayed remarkable resilience. He crawled amidst the lifeless bodies and embarked on a grueling 15-mile journey to reach a field hospital. Along the way, he in 15 miles. <laughs> Jeez. Along the way, he encountered a compassionate man on horseback who offered him a ride. At the, at the hospital, uh, doctors opted to remove only a third of the musket ball, fearing that complete extraction would prove fatal. Although the remaining portion eventually fell out naturally over time, Miller's wound never fully healed. Jacob Miller lived a long life to find the odds stacked against him. He passed away in 1917 at the age of 88, leaving behind a captivating photograph taken in 1911, which serves as a testament to his incredible story. Damn. Can you imagine, like, later on in life, though, um, you're, I don't know, it's, your, it's dinner or you're on the back porch and you're just doing whatever, and all of a sudden you, you feel the other end of the ball fall out years later. So, oh, my God, look. Yeah, I wish they would have uh, let us know what year it fell out, how much longer it took to, to fall out. Yeah, I know, although the remaining portion eventually fell out naturally over time, Miller's wound never healed fully. Huh. Never got infected or anything, huh? No, I mean, I'm sure he fought off infection. For, I'm sure he fought off infection. But um, but I got to say, talk about perfect aim, though. Do you think any of that is because back in 1863, their testosterone levels were <laughs> almost over 100 over a hundred uh, points or whatever. Well, he definitely had some grit. He definitely had some willpower. You should make a movie about him. I mean, <laughs> he gets shot in the head, and it's then the rest stuff of his... happens along the way. I don't know. Well, he I, finds I, some uh, gold. Some engines chase him. I don't know. I guess you can make a movie about the fifteen-mile journey and the compassionate man that picked him up. But, you know, everything else is just his his healing process. Yeah, they so, can show him, like, the end look, credits. Look at, oh, He's dude. eating dinner and the bullet falls out. The end credits. <laughs> the end, yeah, that's how the movie ends. He's eating soup, and all of a sudden the bullet plops into the soup. And he goes, well, I'll be. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Look at that. Seriously, though, who was the Confederate that shot him? Because look at how perfect that shot is. Well, it sounds like he saw the guy aim at him, so he probably was pretty close. My gosh. Well, anyway, that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, Matt, is there anything that you want to tell the people on a, I don't know, what I hope is a wonderful weekend for all? Uh, lovely weekend. Have a lovely weekend. Uh, you, have to, you have to do some, you have to work? 
I have to check some cages tomorrow, and then aren't we moving furniture? Oh, uh, we could. Yeah, no doubt. If you want, thank you so much for that. But I hope that your your cages come back clean, or not. I hope you uh, get what you're looking for. I just don't want to catch a skunk. I'm trapping a fox over at Kroll, the billionaire. So you're look you're out there. You've been hired to capture a uh, a specific fox that's been. There's six of them. Really? And what are they doing? They're they're eating. They're living on his property near his uh where it goes out to his dock does he just not want to hear them screaming at night he's got grandkids and shit uh, and there's babies there's and they'll pick them fox off there they'll pick them off no i mean there's they're fox you know they could who knows who does know not me all right guys and gals thank you i will see you on monday june 5th to continue our our nighttime get-togethers, and, and you've all been great to me this week, and I hope we can do more of that in the coming days. See you soon. Become a sponsor at any any um, any t- tier, and uh, you'll be able to enjoy one of your first perks of sponsorship by hanging out with me on the Sunday afternoon unlisted stream from the back porch where we just talk. Sometimes we work out. It's a lot of fun. That's one of the things I love doing, show gratitude to people that uh, help this go on a monthly basis and really is the that's the foundation of our budget. So thank you all. We'll see you soon, and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Tony Garrett, Larkstar, Live Free or Die 1776, Alice Frazzledrip. Thank you so much to Cave Toad and Texas Sue. You guys over there on Rumble were very nice tonight. Cody 117. And, uh, and over on our Super Chats, Larkstar, Stostube, AK, Sarah K, KT Sky D, Max, Revolution, uh, and KT Sky D. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.